Welcome to another faith-building message from Samuel Pada, pastor of the King's Temple in Hyderabad, India. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Well, it says, Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So I want to remind you this morning, every one of us will be tried in the area of what we say we believe. Remember what I said. When God was leading the people of Israel out of the land of bondage into the land of promise, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 2 and 3 that He led them through the wilderness. He made them hungry. He caused them to go that way to see what was in their hearts and whether they would keep His commandments. My friend, it is easy to follow God and thank Him when everything is going according to your plan and according to your desires. But there are times that God will let you go through the wilderness on purpose. Somebody say amen. Watch this. Remember what I said? Wilderness is not a location. Wilderness is not a geographical location. Wilderness is a place of testing. So when they were being led through the wilderness, it was in the wilderness that their faith was tested. Amen? What happened with Jesus? He was baptized in water. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. He gets up out of the waters of Jordan and the Holy Ghost is now upon him. And the Bible says, the Holy Spirit urged him. Amen? Which means what? He was directing his steps. Where? Not into a large crowd to preach, but into the wilderness. Everybody say wilderness. What was the purpose? Because in the wilderness, Jesus was what? Tempted and tested. Let me remind you this morning. Everyone will have their own wilderness experience. And this experience is to expose you to you. Because you say, I'm a great Christian. Will you die for your faith? Yes. Really? Well, God says, let me, let me really check who you are. Check you out, you know. And see who you really are. And expose yourself to you. When there are pressure and they're talking about your faith, you begin to lie. And you said, I will die for Christ. Now you, you know who you really are. Amen. How much you really believe in him. So tests and trials are part and parcel of the life that you live. They will come because the Bible says your faith is more precious than gold. And if gold is going to be tried by fire, how much more your faith. Amen. So don't be surprised. And don't throw your arms up in the air and say, God, if you love me, why am I going through this? Where is your love? No, God loves you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants you to understand even in the wilderness when it seems like everybody has left you and there is nobody around you, his word is still with you and his presence is upon you. Not because you feel it, but because you know it. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So let's understand this. So he, he says when you fall into diverse temptations, count it all joy. Why? Watch this. If you come out of your wilderness, over
overcoming your temptation, overcoming the test, what happens? You will be promoted. So whenever a test or a trial has come, what does it mean? It's time for promotion. When they went through the test and the trial in the wilderness, everybody but jo Joshua and Caleb passed the test. And they were the only ones that were promoted. Am I right? Come on, talk to me somebody. Am I, am I right? Now, look at what happened with Jesus. He overcame the temptation in the wilderness. He overcame and passed the test. Now the Bible says the devil left and the angels came and ministered to him. Now he steps out of the wilderness and goes into the city. And the Bible says his fame went abroad. There was no marketing agency. The angels became his marketing managers. Come on now, amen. His fame went abroad. Who advertised Jesus? The angelic host. See, every test is for your promotion. So stop complaining and murmuring and say, why, 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 why is this happening? It's happening because God is giving you an opportunity to step over it and move into your next level. It's not because God hates you. It's not because God doesn't love you. It's not because God has abandoned you. It's because God loves you and you are on his mind. And he wants to promote you, lift you, increase you. Say amen somebody. That's why the test has come. So the writer of the book of James says, Rejoice. Count it all joy. Hallelujah. Because why? The test is what? Is the gateway to break out of your status quo. The test is the gateway to break out of your status quo. You're coming into another level. You're going to move up higher. Praise God. Hallelujah. So he says, count it all joy. Now listen, faith is an expression of confidence in God and his word. So when the test comes, you have to walk by faith, not feeling anything. Your walk is not dependent on how you feel. Your walk is dependent on what he said. So when I'm walking by faith, it is my expression of my confidence in God. Test, listen, the purpose of the test, God, in God's mind is to lift you higher. In the mind of the devil, he wants to derail you. Now how you face the exam or the test and how you come through it determines what happens to your future. Your response to the trial, your response to the test determines your future. See, the devil's purpose is to derail you of the destiny that God has for you. He wants to use it in a manner that he can cause you to lose focus on what God said. So that you will begin to fear and you will begin to doubt his word. The enemy always is working and trying to steal, to destroy and to distort your faith. That is the image that was produced by the word of God. The one that you're holding on to but has not yet been manifested in the natural realm. Now. What does it mean? What does this mean? As I'm walking by faith, I have an image in front of me. Watch this. 
Every promise of God is in the realm of the spirit. When I receive that word, I, uh, a, the word paints a picture in my mind and in my spirit. Is everybody with me this morning? Now, to be able to possess that, I should never lose sight of that. Amen? Because as far as God is concerned, he has already delivered it to us. In the realm of the spirit, the transaction is complete. But in the realm of the spirit, in the natural, it's not yet. And here is what is called time. Patience comes in in the natural world. Because see, from the time God said yes in the spirit, to the time it manifests in the natural, there is a lapse. There is a time lapse. And during that time lapse, it's important that you understand the virtue of patience and learn to stand on it, not losing sight of what God said. Come on now, amen? Now I'm going to explain it to you. I'm going to explain it to you. Don't get confused. Now, while you're waiting, there is a battle going on. Because constantly the devil is bombarding your mind, saying it won't happen. Look at the other person. He too believed like you. It never happened. He too tried it. He said, yes, I believe, I believe, I believe. It never worked out. It never manifested. So the devil will be and the enemy will be using circumstances, situations, and influence of people to derail you off that line of faith. To paint, replace that image of the promise with the image of experience. Are you with me this morning? Come on, come on, come on. Are you with me? Am I confusing you? Is it clear? Is it clear? Okay, watch what happens. So what is the purpose of the enemy? The enemy is using these trials and tests to steal that image which has not yet become a reality. Watch, watch what Jesus said in Mark chapter 11 verse 24. What things soever you desire, when you pray, Believe that you received it and then you shall have it. Whoa. It seems like contradictory. How can I believe when I don't have it? No, 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 no. What you don't understand is you operate in two realms. You are a spirit being having a natural experience. Are you with me? You are a spirit being having a natural experience. You're not a natural man having a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual person having a natural experience. So... In our relationship with God, in our transactions with God, the realm of the spirit is more important than the realm of the natural. Nothing in the natural exists without it being first done or exhibited or displayed in the spiritual realm. So, when I pray for something, I need to have a hold of that something in my spirit and not let go until it manifests. Watch what he said. By his stripes, you, come on, you, do you think God missed it? Do you believe the Bible is an inspired word of God? So what, did God tell a lie? Or was there a, mis, was there a misinterpretation? Or did the interpreters or translators miss it? They, or should they have translated, by his stripes, you shall be healed? No, 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 no. He said, you were healed. So what does that mean? Oh, I mean? If it says I'm healed, then why am I still sick? Oh, you're not understanding it right. In the realm of
of the spirit. Hallelujah. It is a completed transaction. Question. When did Jesus die? Approximately. How many years ago? Huh? What does the Bible say? The lamb was slain before the foundations of the earth were laid. In the realm of the spirit, it was completed. But it manifested only 2,000 years ago. Are you with me, church? That's what I'm trying to teach you. See, here is the test. God has promised. Beloved, above all, I wish that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. That is the will of God. Then why is it not manifesting? Because you're not holding on to that image and believing what God said has to come to pass in my life. You're allowing the enemy to come in and invade your thought life. You're allowing the enemy to come in and sabotage that image and replace it with all kinds of images that you feel comfortable according to where you live. That's why you're not making it. That's why you're not overcoming. That's why you're not surmounting. That's why you're not experiencing the promises of God. But if I can understand, God is not against me. God is for me. And these tests and trials are coming because he wants to promote me quickly. And if I can learn to hold on to that image. Glory. What does the Bible say? We read last time in the book of Mark chapter 4 verses 14 through 17. That the sower cometh to do what? To sow seed. And the enemy comes immediately. Why? To steal the word. The enemy is not after you. The enemy is after that word. Because if he can steal the word, he has stolen the image. If he has stolen the word, he can steal the image. Now listen. Let's say you had a bad day with your girlfriend. Alright? Or your boyfriend, whatever. You come home. You start listening to songs that are very emotional, sad. Before long, what are you doing? You're crying, you become pessimistic, you think there is no way we'll ever get back together, I don't think it'll ever ma manifest in marriage. What's happening? You're letting things, songs, words, influence your thinking to believe for something that you don't really desire. And as you spend time in that, you empower your thought life. And the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Come on now, amen? As a man thinketh, so is he. So it's very important to understand. See, you come and sit here, and I'm releasing these words. I'm speaking. I'm trying to inspire you with the help of the Holy Ghost to paint a new picture of hope and faith. No matter what you've gone through in the last week, or even yesterday, or even this morning, everything is about to change with God's help. If I can get that image inside you, and you walk out of that, and keep guard over your heart, that the enemy does not steal it, and say, walking out, I am healed. I am blessed. I will prosper. This week, I'll have the best deal in my life. This week week will be the best I've ever had in my life. You walk out with that knowing. You keep saying that. You keep focusing. You keep believing.
What are you doing? You're using the word of God to build that image the word has already sown in your heart. See, that's why I said you got to take responsibility. It's not sitting down and saying, Lord, help me. And I'm praying, Lord, that you will do this. And I thank you, Lord. And you just fast and pray and forget about it and think God will do it. No, God will do it through you. He needs your cooperation. Prayer is not giving direction to God. Prayer is cooperating with God. But a lot of people are using God like the genie. God, touch my brother. Touch my brother. Heal him, Lord. Then, Lord, I pray that my aunt will get a good job, Lord. Lord, give her this. Give her that. Give healing to so-and-so. Lord, bless that person. Thank you, Father. Amen. What have you done? You have given a, a list of errands to God, and you call it prayer. How many know what I'm talking about? You think that's prayer? You're using God like a servant. That's why it's nothing is working for you. Amen. Prayer is communication where you talk to God and God says, I'm going to talk to you. Prayer is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. When you pray and spend time in his presence and don't give him time to talk back to you, it is not called prayer. So we got to wait, learn to wait and listen. So see, getting back to the point is the enemy is after that word. So we said in that particular scripture we read, it says in um, the, the following verses, affliction, persecution, cares of the world, deceitful of riches, lust of other things. These are the weapons that are designed by the enemy to choke the word so that it does not produce in your life. What are they? Affliction, persecution, cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, and lusts of other things. If the word is stolen, there is no more basis for faith to operate. If the word is stolen, there is no more basis for faith to work. But what we think is, because we cry, because we pray and tears, God will do something. I'm not against crying, but I'm just against thinking that you can move God through your emotion. I don't believe it. And I teach people, don't try to manipulate God with your tears. Tears are an expression of your inner self. And there's nothing wrong in, in crying in the presence of God. But God always moves on his word. He said, put me to remembrance. Why? Because he wants the word to be given so he can work on the word. God doesn't work on emotion. He works on his word. Amen. So let us become people of the word, not just emotional people. Too many churches are filled with too many emotional Christians. That, you know, you could be shaking hands with them outside the church. And they're saying, hello, how are you and everything. And the moment they step on this platform, their voice changes. It's an acquired voice. It's an acquired expression. What nonsense is this? Who are you trying to kid? Huh? You think God is impressed because you've changed the tone of your voice and you begin to put a sober face? Can he not look through all that? Why don't you be you? Be rejoicing outside. Come on the stage. Rejoice and get everybody to rejoice in the Lord. Don't act, don't act religious. God is not impressed with religion. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. Now, in Matthew chapter 14, 
Glory to God. In Matthew chapter 14, here is the instance where Peter was walking on the water, but look at this. But straight away Jesus, in verse 27 of chapter 14, says, But straight away Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou, didst thou doubt? And, they were, and when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Now watch what happens here. Jesus says, come. Peter steps out on the water and he begins to walk. And the Bible says in verse 30, when he saw the wind boisterous. Question, have you ever seen the wind? Has anybody seen the wind here? You can't see the wind. What you see is the effects of wind. Now, when he stepped out of the boat, he stepped out on one thing. His eyes were on Jesus. He stepped out on the word. Amen. So what sustained Peter on the water is his faith on the word. But while he was exercising his faith, his eyes were on Jesus. This is very important. Watch this. I said the promise is a picture. It's an image inside you. You've got to hold it and guard that image no matter how much the devil batters. How much the devil tries to come against you through circumstances, through people talking against you, through people trying to influence your thinking. You've got to guard it like a bulldog. Don't let go. And say, this is what I believe. While he was walking with his eyes on Jesus, he was walking on water. The moment he saw what the wind was doing to the waves... And how everything was rocking and, and the huge waves. He took his eyes off Jesus. Now wait, 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 wait. When you take your eyes off of God's word. Immediately you will begin to give cognizance. You will begin to, begin to give prominence to the other voices. And other pictures around you. How do you feel the wind? Not only the effects, but even the sound. The sound of the wind drowned the sound of Jesus. The, the voice of Jesus said, come. But the sound of the wind said, you are sinking. And the question that rises inside is, I'm, I, I'm human. How can I be walking on How can this happen? I've never heard anybody walk on water. I mean, this is, this is not real. This is not real. And immediately what happens is when the word is stolen. Are you with me? When the word is stolen, there is no more basis for faith. See, this is where the battle is. The battle is, the spiritual battle is not battling with the enemy out there. It's in your mind. And in your heart. This is how the devil tries to attack you. 
And so he cries out to Jesus. Jesus pulls him up and we know. And this is what he said. Oh, you of little faith. You know what little faith means? In the original it means short burst of faith. Short burst of faith. That means at that moment when you're so excited in the presence of God and the word is being released under the unction, you say, yes, I can do anything and everything. You step out of the church and say, well, well I, I don't know. I mean, this, I, I don't think this really works. I know in that place in the church where I was so charged, I said, yes. I know I'm healed by stripes. Two days later, I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. Well, what happened? Short burst of faith. But when the short burst of faith came, now what you got to do is realize this. When you're charged, when you're excited, when the Holy Ghost has stirred something inside you and has given you a new hope and a new faith, now the charge is in your hands. Responsibility now. What do you have to do? You got to become responsible to guard that image that God has given you. Hallelujah. So you walk about saying, I am blessed. I am blessed. There is no money in my pocket. My bank balance is nil. My bills are piling up, but my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Where is it coming from, brother? <laughs> I know it's coming. I know it's coming. It has to come. But if you say that for half an hour and then walk out and say, my God, I don't know where this is going to come from. Who can I call now? And get worried and worked up. What has happened? That image has been stolen. How do I know I believe? How do I know I'm really holding on to that? Confidence. Faith is confidence. I know that I know that I know. So it gives me peace and enables me to patiently wait for its manifestation. The moment panic strikes, the moment impatience comes, it is a clear evidence of lack of faith and operation in doubt. Is everybody clear? A lot of people, when they're under pressure, they pray. But they pray panic prayers. I've never yet seen a panic prayer being answered. Because God is not under pressure of time. Amen? Praise the Lord. Are you being blessed? Now, Mark chapter 35, please. Uh, four, chapter 4, please. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And verse 35, look at this. The same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. <clears throat> and there arose a great storm. Everybody say great storm. Say it again, great storm. A great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they wake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Somebody say great calm. There was a great storm, but then there was a great calm. Okay. And when he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Look at this. Before they set out on the journey, this is what Jesus said. Verse 35. And the same day when the even was come, he said unto them, let us pass over unto the what? The other side. So Jesus gave a command. He said, we're going to the other side. Now on the journey, they face a storm. Please listen very carefully. Just because 
there is opposition on your way, it does not mean God is not with you. Neither does it mean it is not God's will. So never decide on whether something is God's will or not just by the fact of open doors and closed doors. Because you're, now you're relying on the realm of the natural. God may speak through that, but that should never be the only way you decide. Amen? Amen? So, you got to know, Jesus knew they had to go to the other side. Now, as they were going, there was a storm, and the storm was a great storm, and they were about to sink. Now, when they set out on the journey, what was the image they had in their mind? We're going to the other side because the master is with us, and we're going to go for some ministry. But on the way, because of the storm, what happened? The image changed. We're dying. We're dying. Jesus, don't you care? We're going to drown and die. That's the image. Now, can you see? Circumstantial evidence. The devil is trying to steal that image from them and replacing it with the image of death. He's, he's robbing the image of destiny and replacing it with the image of doubt. How many understand what I'm saying? So when you come across such challenges in life, when it seems like there is a great storm, it's not because God wants to kill you. The devil wants to kill, but he has no right. That's why Jesus could stand up because he knew he was in the will of God. God Jesus never did anything outside the will of God. He said, I don't do anything that he's not told me and I never say anything that he's never told me. So he knew he was in the perfect will of God. He said, how dare you devil? How dare you wind? You come up against me. Peace be still. Be calm, be quiet. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast channel for past episodes. If you've been blessed by the message today, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. For more content from the King's Temple or to connect with us, visit kingstemple.in. Have a blessed day.